And that's not necessarily a wise thing to do is just follow somebody who's doing something because here's the thing, Kylie. So a lot of our decisions are either based off of methods or objectives. We, we either choose a method or sometimes we choose an objective. And I think that you always want to choose objective first because when you start with method, you are choosing somebody else's objective. When you see somebody on social media or you see somebody on the news or you see somebody who looks credible and who has authority, who says, hey, this is what I'm doing. What this person is doing probably is to best suit themselves and not to best fit yourself. So identify your objectives always first and then connect with them. Welcome back to another episode of Chapter 20-something with me, Kylie McDonald. Hope you're having a wonderful week. Happy almost 4th of July. So exciting. We love a good 4th. We love a good hot dog, some fireworks. Always a fun holiday. I have no plans yet, but um, hopefully someone will come through with some. We'll see. If you're my friend and you're listening, hit me up because your girl is free. Okay. Do I sound desperate enough? My God. Okay. What is going on this week? Not much. Just been working a ton, which is good, you know? I definitely feel that FOMO working on the weekends. And of course, you know, you see the Instagrams and the stories. (laughs) I sound like I have no idea what I'm talking about. The Instagrams and the stories. You know what I mean. Also... On my way home, I drive past all the bars that my friends go to. I live like within walking distance, which comes in clutch. But um, on nights where I'm working, it just makes me really sad because I get home late and I just want to go to bed. And I'm like, ugh, I should be social, but I should be responsible. And honestly, I gotta say, most of the time lately, I've been responsible. I don't know what's come over me, guys. No, I'm just kidding. But um, it's important. We always talk about it on this show, but finding a good balance between work and social life and taking care of yourself and everything. It can be hard. It really, really can be hard. And I think I've been feeling that this week. But also, I know that like my friends aren't going to disappear if I don't see them for two weeks. My family's not going to disappear. I still have my phone so I can absolutely keep in contact with everybody you know I you get in your head too much and you can feel a little lonely when there's no reason to you know so it's important to put things into perspective um I did have time to get my nails done today which uh, the only reason I'm sharing the story because I know nobody cares is that I had to go to a new nail person I've been going to my same two girls Gina and Danielle at Palms Tanning and Lick lacquer lounge I don't know what the word is Mm, um um yeah it's not I always say like liquor lounge but it's absolutely not that that would be fun though there's an idea Gina if you listen okay (laughs) um anyway so they're booked through the summer which is amazing for them like 
props to you guys for having a business that's just booming. Unfortunately, my next appointment with them is in October, which is crazy. So that makes me kind of sad. And it's like, it's like, you know, when you see all your friends in a healthy relationship, but you got ghosted two and a half times in the last like three weeks and you're just like, I'm so happy for you. You know, it's like, it feels like that. Um, not maybe based on true events. I'm not disclosing or anything. Um, so I went to this guy. He was fine. It's not the yellow I wanted. It's not the yellow that it looked like from the front of the box. It looks like a mustard yellow on my fingernails and that is not what I wanted, but I paid $55 for it. So, um, we're stuck with them because that is a lot of money. And speaking of spending money on things that we don't need to, um, just kidding, spend money on nails, hair, whatever, if it makes you feel good. I do it all the time. <laughs> but um, it should probably cut back according to today's guest, Sari Ibrahim. He is the founder of Financial Asset Protections, helping us all to find a financially abundant future and how we can work towards that goal today. So he shares his knowledge and expertise with us in this episode. I was asking questions, but also listening very carefully, trying to grasp on to everything I could because, you know, I like money and I like having it. Um, (laughs) He offers a lot of great insight, so definitely learn from him. Not from me, but from him. I don't know. I tried to offer my uh, my little two cents. No pun intended. <laughs> oh, somebody stop me. Okay. Anyway, let's just get to the episode. Hope you guys enjoy it. Follow the podcast on Instagram at chapter20somethingpod. If you haven't already, share it with a friend. Share it on your Instagram story. If you like it, if you hate it, if you agree, disagree, whatever. Just get it out there, you know? It helps me out. Give it a rating, review, subscribe. Get in touch with Sari if you would like to get a consult with him. FinAssetProtection.com and my more casual, less professional Instagram handle at OfficialKylieMcDonald if you want to get in touch with me. So yeah, I hope you guys enjoy your holiday weekend enjoy the rest of your work week and i will talk to you guys next week much love bye but nothing in this world that i like more than checks money all i really want to see is the money i don't really need to be any the money all i back need is the money i got pants in the coop busting up the roof Harry, how are you today how's it going hi kylie good how are you i'm good what's going on in your day today uh, so today uh, I'm in Chicago. That's where I'm from. Uh, we have summer. So for those of you not familiar with Chicago, the summer is the best time in Chicago. Other than that, it's pretty cold and not too nice of weather. Uh, other than that, just busy working, you know, out of my home office. Uh, I'm excited to be on your show to share a little bit more about, you know, what we do and, and anything uh, you'd like me to share with the audience. So thank you. Thank you for having me on. Of course. I've never been to Chicago and it's been on my list for so long now. One of these days, very soon, I definitely have to make it out there. Oh, yeah, definitely. There's a lot to do. Definitely, it would require multiple trips to actually see the full city. So, yeah, definitely. It's uh, where, where are you? I'm in New York. 
Oh, okay. So it's uh, New York City? No, um, I'm upstate right now, but grew up about an hour outside the city. Okay. Yeah. It's very similar to New York. Um, okay. Very similar, big city, um, a lot of people. Yeah. It's, it's definitely very similar to New York. I've heard it's like New York, but cleaner, possibly. <laughs> Funny. Well, yeah. One of these days, I definitely will be out there. So are you from that area originally? Yeah, yeah. I grew up in the southwest suburbs of Chicago. Um, I lived here my whole life. And recently, about three years ago, we, my wife and I moved to the city. So we live on the north side of Chicago, near where the Cubs play on the neighborhood Lincoln Park. But yeah, we love it. It's definitely um, a lot to do. COVID obviously changed a lot of that, right? And I think New York was the same way, right? It took away from, you know, that whole big city vibe. Obviously, in a pandemic, that's not really the ideal place to be. A lot of things are closed. A lot of, there's a lot of restrictions. But now, We've opened back up a lot of things. We're pretty much like completely open here in Chicago. Like you don't have to wear a mask if you're vaccinated. There's really no limits to restaurants and bars and everything's, I would say, for the most part, back to normal, except for the healthcare setting, of course. That's still, you know, pandemic wise. But, um, you know, other than that, we're, we've gone to it as normal as you can possibly go back to. Oh, it's, it's so exciting. It really is just brings you joy to go out there and be like, all right, the world's a little bit back to normal. So... <laughs> But that also means that I'm spending more money, which is uh -huh. why you are helping us today, because, you know, we need to have some responsibility here. And I know that is what you are an expert in. So I'm sure you could help us out. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, this, this is what we do full time. So yeah, I'm more than happy to share financial strategies and tips and principles and other things like that with the audience. Perfect. And with me personally, too, because <laughs> I mean, <it. laughs> um, yeah, yeah, sure. so I want to just go back, get a little background on you very quickly. When you were growing up, was financial responsibility something that was ingrained in you from an early age? Yeah. Um, so I grew up to an immigrant family. So definitely money was one of the, you know, the topics we talked about a lot. Um, I think growing up, I didn't obviously learn that much about financial stability and financial literacy. The only things I, that kind of resonate from growing up are, you know, save, always save your money. Don't be fooled by spending too much of your money or, you know, bandwagon appeals or like things like that are just appealing to, you know, in the moment, think long-term. That's kind of my perception of money. I've always, I haven't been really a big spender. You know, my wife and I, we travel a lot. That's pretty much our biggest expense. Other than that, I, I kind of have it ingrained in my mind not to you know, spend spend a lot of money. I, I always have my parents' voice coming in my head like, you never know what's going to happen in the future. You, you're always going to save. Kind of, like a lot of other immigrant families around us growing up, they had a lot of similar, you know, similar mentality to, to money and how it, it's almost kind of like a scarcity mindset with money, which is obviously not a good thing, right? I, I think scarcity mindset in any setting is not really good. But um, I always had it in the back of my mind, like you need to save for the future. You don't know what's going to happen. You know, when in doubt, just save. That's kind of how, you know, I, I grew up around money. Yeah. Um, I think that is the hardest thing is finding that balance between actually living your life and saving and being responsible, like we've said before, for the future. That is such a thin line, but you found it. And I like what you said there. It's just when in doubt, save. Because, <laughs> yes, I am a huge proponent of traveling whenever, wherever you can. That's one of my favorite things to do. Spend money on those experiences. But then, you know, if we're looking at going out to eat in your hometown, you don't have to do it every single day, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. So especially, you know, in a city that can be tough sometimes, but it's really finding that balance for sure. 
So then you ended up going to DeVry University. Um, I read online that your original major or your degree was in digital forensics and justice administration, which is Mm -hmm. so interesting. And it's different from what you're doing now. So what made you choose this field of study? Yeah, so I I think it goes back to, um, I was always very curious about different things. And I hopped around a lot between jobs and majors and and things like that. I was very like, I started off at actually a community college because I wasn't sure which university I was going to go to. I wasn't sure, you know, what I was going to study. So I went to a community college that was literally, you know, walking distance from the house I grew up in, which I guess it's, it's a good thing and a bad thing, right? It was convenient, but at the same time, I didn't really get to spread my wings. But it gave me a chance to think a lot about where, what I wanted to do. And originally, when I started off at community college, I had no idea what I was going to do. I, you know, pretty much anything you could think of from lawyer to teaching history to business accounting, I had literally no idea. Um, and then I just took courses, finished two years there. And then after that, I wanted to get into law enforcement. And I actually tested for a few police departments, did the something called the power test. That's where it's like the physical test and got those credentials. And, and, I, and again, I was still kind of like not on a clear path. I was meeting with law enforcement agencies to, to be a police officer. And then I went to DeVry because they had a program that was convenient. A lot of it was online. And it was a digital forensics program. And the person who was uh, helping me, like the counselor, was like, you know, you could do the bachelor's degree and then still be a police officer. And then you're going to need experience anyway. Typically for a lot of forensic positions, you need like at least, you know, I think it's like five or 10 years of law enforcement experience before they could let you into the labs and things like that, depending on what kind it is, of course. So again, I was it wasn't very crystal clear, but I wanted to just get into that field. And then towards like the end of it, I was like, you know what, this is not really for me, but I'm going to finish anyway. I don't want to just waste more time. I wanted to just graduate with my bachelor's degree. Um, and then I knew I was going to go to grad school afterwards. So I finished my bachelor's degree. Uh, at that point, I had two options. One, go to law school. Um, or the other, get my MBA. And the MBA came about really when I just became really fascinated with business and sales and marketing, solving problems for people and had kind of having a, an, an abundant lifestyle or abundant life. That, that kind of drew my attention uh, or grabbed my attention, actually. So I decided to do my MBA program. And then that kind of led me into project management. And then that kind of led me into financial services and, and how I help people today. So It was definitely not a clear path, but again, you know, a lot of people I've talked to have similar ways of like finding, you know, their, 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 their true path and their true calling. I guess it just comes from, you know, trying different things until you figure out, you know, what you really like, because you're not going to know what you like until you actually implement it and actually try it. Absolutely. And I think there's something there where you're constantly taking a chance on yourself because it is a scary thing to be in a set path and you're like, yes, I'm going to go into law enforcement and then to completely change your mind and be like, mm-hmm. all right, never mind. I'm going to go into project management. I have no idea really what that's going to entail, but I'm going to do it anyway because it sounds like something that I want to do and a life I want to have. That's scary, but you do have to take that step and look where it's led you. Now you have a whole career and a life based on what you actually like and what your true path was. That takes a lot of vulnerability and strength at the same time. So good for you for being an example of that. Thank you. Of course. So you ended up founding um, Finn Asset Protection. Um, Mm -hmm. So can you explain to us what exactly you do there? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So the, the full name of the company is Financial Asset Protection. The name of our website is finassetprotection.com. I just shortened it so that way it was in like a super long domain name. But it's yeah, still it's still catchy. Uh, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> We're a financial services firm. We, we help people more on, on the side of building wealth safely, predictably over time. And, and of course, protecting their assets from, you know, various risks. So we work with clients from, you know, a very wide range of clients from people who are just, you know, fresh out of college, still not sure of what to do, like me, you know, or fresh out of college, not knowing what I was going to do um, and, and, and saving and kind of budgeting for the future and all the way to people who are, you know, in their fifties and have, you know, hundreds of real estate properties. So we, we have a very wide range of clients who we help. And I, and I think, so to give a little bit more context, typically when it comes to, you know, the words, you know, financial advisor or financial planner, for the most part, not in every situation, but for the most part, it typically pertains to investing in the stock market or bonds or mutual funds. So like if you go meet with a financial advisor, and I would say 90% of situations, they're going to lead you into stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. And for a couple of reasons, one, that's typically the can, you know, quote unquote, conventional way uh, of investing or, or planning for the future is, a lot of people are kind of naturally trained or taught that when you have extra money or when you want to save for the future, you save it in the stock market uh, because the stock market will give you exceptional returns. You don't have to do anything. And it just builds on, on wealth. And that could, you know, in some situations, in some markets, in, in some time periods, that could be true. But the prob- there are problems with that. And this is where we come in. So a couple problems with investing conventionally or traditionally in the stock market is there's volatility involved. Nobody knows what's going to happen and nobody knows when that thing is going to happen. So market crashes, corrections, things like that. Nobody knows when that's going to happen. And instead of gambling or guessing when that's going to happen, there are ways to build wealth without having to take those risks. And you mentioned something about you know risk-taking. That, that's something I've definitely always been doing. I still am always risk-taking. I think it's definitely my personality type that I have to keep taking risks. But after getting into this field, something has kind of been like a light bulb, like a, like a clear light bulb went off. And it was that you don't have to take unnecessary risks, or at least you want to differentiate between necessary risks and unnecessary risks. So for mm. example, entrepreneurship, that's necessary risks, you know, calculated required risks. You have to take risks as an entrepreneur, as a business owner. And I think human beings in general are taking risks every day. When you drive to work, when you pick your major, when you take a job, that's what, those are all risks. You have no idea what's on the other side, but we take those risks because they're necessary. There are other ways to reach your goal without taking those unnecessary risks. So this, this is where the stock market comes in. A lot of financial advisors and financial planners are programmed to guide clients to stock market, bonds, mutual funds, and even clients themselves are programmed that way too. Like this is what you do. You know, this is what we're taught in school. This is what our parents taught us. This is what the local banker taught us is that you just invest your extra money in the stock market. And obviously one huge problem with that is volatility. So we help clients reach their goals without taking those unnecessary risks. That's one way that we help clients. Okay. All right. So what are the ways to do that without taking the unnecessary risks. Can you give any examples? Absolutely. Yeah. So before I found financial asset protection and the way I got into this industry was from reading one book. And I recommend everybody to read that book. Um, It's called The Bank on Yourself Revolution by Pamela Yellen. And the book talks about using the, the strategy called the bank on yourself strategy. It's also known as the infinite banking concept. And it helps pretty much business owners, full-time employees, real estate investors build wealth outside of the stock market without having to worry about the stock market. It also helps you become your own source of financing. So this way, when you do need liquidity in the future, you can go to yourself, literally bank on yourself. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and the concept is, and I can get further into what that concept is if you'd like. Yeah, um, go ahead. So, so pretty much, you know, if we were to start with our objectives, you know, what, do we, what is it that we want to do? Let's say, for example, somebody is 30 years old and they want to have predictable wealth for their future. So when they're in their 50s and 60s, they want to have wealth that they can rely on that is not tied to inflation, that's not tied to the market, that's not tied to taxes, uh, and that's not tied to any volatility. There's about 450 different financial vehicles out there. But surprisingly, only one out of those 450 financial vehicles could actually address all those needs. The need for no volatility, mitigate against tax rises, um, is liquid and will grow predictably and guaranteed. And that one out of 450 is dividend paying whole life insurance. Now, people are always like, well, you know, I thought we were talking about, you know, financial stability and, you know, financial literacy. What does whole life insurance have to do with this? And that's a good question. That's a valid question because, you know, I was the same way. And I think that when you look into more of what it could do for your objective, that I think will put you on the right track. And dividend paying whole life insurance, if it's structured the right way from the right company with the right advisor, could allow for uh, safe, predictable cash growth, tax deferred growth, tax free withdrawals, tax free loans, no volatility. It's not tied to any market, it's not tied to the stock market, pretty much outside of all tax rises in the future. It outpaces inflation every year. Um, so it's definitely something, and this is something we focus on. So we help clients build out these solutions that use dividend paying whole life insurance, also known as the bank on yourself way or a bank on yourself type whole life insurance policy. This is what we do and you know, and how we are able to help clients find their objectives, number one, and then use these policies to connect them to their objectives. Because I think also too, it's very important to identify functions that connect with your objectives rather than the titles that people just use. So a lot of people typically follow titles and methods, things that other people do, things that are, you know, that are on TV or on the news or on social media, uh, and not necessarily follow their objectives and follow methods that could connect to their objectives. So I know that was a a mouthful. So I'll just kind of pull over now and see what what questions (laughs) you have. (laughs) Okay. Now, let me just say, this is not my area of expertise, but <laughs> you know, it sounds like a great thing, obviously. So what do you recommend? So if I'm 26, mm-hmm. are you saying that I take out life insurance at this point in my life? I would say that step number one is um, financial self-awareness. So where are mm-hmm. you? I would ask you, for example, where are you now? As far as how much do you have in savings? How much are you making now per year or what kind of income that is? Is it like commission? Is it W-2 income? Is it our self-employment? What kind of income it is? Like a lot, I would identify, you know, or have you at least identify financial self-awareness. Where are you right now financially? And then after that, it's where do you want to go? Like this is you individually, Kylie, where you want to go in your life. It could be five years from now. And we would identify like five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, and all the way through retirement. And obviously these things will change throughout time because, you know, life changes, things change, but it's important to kind of set the goals and set the targets and then transition or pivot as needed as you go about life. So identify where you want to go and then kind of ask yourself, like, you know, you personally ask yourself why, you know, it's not us asking, why do you want these things? But you rather you asking yourself, for example, if it's, you know, five years from now, you want to buy a home. Why is that? What's important about that to you? Nothing about this should be 
what is mainstream or what is conventional or what is widely accepted. Rather, it's what do you want? So a lot of people would say, well, that's, that's, that's what you do. You know, five years after college or 10 years after college, you buy a house, you know, as if that's like a rule or some sort of, you know, paradigm. But of right. course, the cool thing about asking these questions is that it gets into people's minds and it gets them thinking about themselves um, and then identifying like why. And then after that, you know, these objectives, after you identify the objectives of why you want to reach them, then we would set up a plan in place to connect you to those goals. And typically, you know, we have 450 different products. And again, I wouldn't know the, the finan- your financial situation, nor would I know the objectives, but typically, you know, we would help connect them to their objectives using whole life insurance. So for example, somebody is um, 30 years old and I keep saying 30 years old, they don't have to, they don't have to be 30 years old, but say they're 26 years old like you. And sure. they want to, by the time they are 65, they want to have uh, $10,000 a month in passive income. Meaning when they're 65, on the 65th birthday, they want to re- retire and then just get $10,000 per month, almost like a pension, not necessarily a pension, but like a pension. Um, we would help them. We would do the math on that, calculate with all the compound interest they would pay into it between age 26 and age 65. So that way the objective would be that guaranteed on a tax-free basis and a guaranteed basis, they would have $10,000 a month. That's just one example. Mm, There's many different ways to do different these things, but it all starts with the client and what do they want to accomplish in their life. And it's having the awareness now of again, looking out for yourself, having you be your number one priority and your future be Mm -hmm. a priority as well. And I think, you know, I see it with myself sometimes with people my age that it's like, oh, we're young. You just got to enjoy and Mm -hmm. spend money. Don't care. Yes. There's a part of that where it's like, yes, enjoy life. Don't be afraid to spend, to have an experience but you do have to look out for your future because it's going to come before you know it and you want to be prepared for setting yourself up for success. Um, Do you see pretty common mistakes that people make with money throughout your clients? Oh, yeah. I mean, and it's not their fault. It's obviously these are things that are, you know, taught in school at a young age. I wish they were, you know, like I I wish these things. Me too. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely see like the mistakes, like, you know, back to the stock market, a lot of people just assume that's what you do. That's what you, that's, that's how you invest in the stock market. That's one mistake. And the second is with real estate. So a lot of our clients are real estate investors or want to be real estate investors. So we help them, we help them with those, with those goals. And a lot of mistakes I see people is they would assume that it requires a lot of liquidity, a lot of cash. In some situations you do obviously need the cash, but there's all, there's leverage. And, and this is where you leverage other people's money. You leverage banks. Um, this is something we help with too, you know? So that's one other mistake that people have is that they think that they have to do everything on their own and there's leverage out there. You can leverage other people's time and money and obviously for win-win business situations. Um, another um, mistake I see is who people tend to follow or listen to. So like mm-hmm. people take, for example, like Dave Ramsey, Susie Orman, you know? Um, if you're not familiar with those people, they are radio hosts. They've been around for a while. They say some good things. A lot of their stuff is mostly around like debt management and, you know, uh, saving for the future. So some stuff I, I, I agree with, but then some stuff, they obviously are not fans of whole life insurance at all. They say, you know, for example, that it's, you know, it's very expensive. It's a ripoff that you could do more with your money with term life insurance and investing in the stock market. And I don't want to debate that. I don't want to talk about how that, that my differences, but rather what I want to talk about is how people, who they follow. And that's not necessarily a wise thing to do is just follow somebody who's doing something because 
Here's the thing, Kylie. So a lot of our decisions are either based off of methods or objectives. We, we either choose a method or sometimes we choose an objective. And I think that you always want to choose objective first because when you start with method, you are choosing somebody else's objective. Mm. So this means so this means that when you see somebody on social media or you see somebody on the news or you see somebody who looks credible and who has authority who says hey this is what I'm doing I'm putting $1000 in the month a month in these stocks or whatever the case again it's not the subject matter of stocks or not it's that what this person is doing probably is to best suit themselves and not to best fit yourself so identify your objectives always first and then connect to it that's why that's probably the biggest mistake I see is that people are looking for keys and shiny objects and other people's methods and they want to implement them and they want to follow those because they believe that they would also mimic those same results. Sometimes that's true, sometimes it's not true. To protect yourself from that is identify your objectives and then follow your objectives first before looking for the different methods. I really like that and I think that's incredibly important because Yes, there are all these different role models, I guess you could say, out there. And yes, there mm-hmm. are lessons to learn from everybody, but they're not living your life. And I heard what you just said, you know, investing like $1,000 a month. Yes, that works for some people. For others that might like, hey, that's my rent payment and my car payment. Yeah. I can't do mm-hmm. that right now. What about mm-hmm. if somebody is starting on a very smaller scale? You know, is that going to be effective for them? Like, what advice would you give for somebody who's just getting started? Yeah, I, my advice would be to get started. So mm-hmm. what that means is that at least working with us, we have free consultations. All our consultations are free. You can go through the financial analysis for free. You can identify your objectives and self financial self-awareness for free. You can even get the solution to you. So a lot of the, the consul- consultations, the advice is all free, uh, which I would recommend that you do that even at a young age, even if you literally don't even have any income or very, very little income, you want to start the process first before the results. You want to start the mindset and that will put you ahead of a lot of people is by just starting to learn about these things and learn about these questions and kind of just identifying where you want to go and kind of getting a clearer picture of the future of your financial future. That'll help a lot. And then the second part to that is we do have solutions. You know, for example, when I started my first policy uh, about three years ago, I started with $300 per month. So I think that we can go, maybe there are solutions that are a little bit less than that, but $300 $300 a month will take you a far way, especially if you are, you know, between you know 20 and 30 years old, because this concept or this solution has a lot to do with compound interest. So with compound interest, you want time on your side with compound interest. You want it to be as long as possible. So somebody who is, for example, 25 years old, putting in $300 a month, that, in my opinion, would be able to fund their entire retirement on a guaranteed and tax-free basis without having to guess what the stock market is going to do, without having to worry. And it would also give you liquidity in the meantime. This What this means is, let's say somebody's 25 years old and they're planning on paying into a policy for 40 years from age 25 to age 65. But now let's say they're 40 years old now, right? They're in the middle between that and they need, they just need, just like everybody else, they need money in the meantime. With this solution, you can access the money via loans from the policy on your own terms without interrupting the entire goal, Mm. which is completely different than investing or saving in other places. And meaning that if I'm putting in, for example, $300 in the stock market from age 25 to age 65 for 40 years, and then in the middle, again, I'm at 40 years old, and I need, for example, $50,000. If I sell $50,000 and withdraw $50,000 from the stock market, 
I just interrupted their growth for the next 25 years until age 65. I've just interrupted their growth. Uh, and obviously that's something we don't want to do. You never want to interrupt your growth, but at the same time, you still need to be able to access the money. And the only way to do that really truly logically, mathematically speaking, the only way you'd be able to access something and still have it grow is by borrowing against it. Let's say for example, you have a house and the house, the market value on the house is $300,000. And let's just say, for example, it's paid up. There's no mortgage. Just it's a paid up house. It's $300,000. Now, let's say it's, it's expected for the house to be worth $500,000 in the next two years. So a $200,000 increase between $300,000 and $500,000 in the next two years. But let's say you borrow, you take out a loan of $50,000 from, from a bank leveraging your home. When you take out that loan, that $50,000 loan, it does not uh, affect the growth of the home. The home will still go from $300,000 to $500,000, even with that outstanding $50,000 loan. That's called leverage. It's called collateralized debt. You're borrowing against something and the growth of it in hopes of it, the growth of the home will outpace the loan itself. So the same is true with whole life insurance and the growth of whole life insurance is that as it's growing, when you need to access money, you simply borrow against it without interrupting the growth of the policy. This is something that's a super, you know, the name of our show is thinking like a bank. And this is what literally banks do is they are borrowing money from different places, using it, and then having like an arbitrage or a spread between the cost of the capital and the growth on that capital. So they're always, they're constantly using other people's money from people who deposit money in their checking account to investors who invest in the bank to other banks who loan money to other banks. They have various sources of, of funding, uh, but they're always arbitraging. They're always earning differences between the amount of money it costs them and the amount of growth they're having. And they're never interrupting that growth. Interesting. Okay. I mean, it sounds very pleasing and something that everyone would want to do at this point. Um, one other thing I wanted to talk to you about quickly is you have really taken it upon yourself and you know your company, I'm sure, to really create a brand around yourselves, really. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if that's something that's very common in the financial world, but you are going on all these podcasts. You said you have your own show. You have such an online presence. Um, why did you choose to do this specifically? And um, what steps are you really taking to grow? And what results have you seen? Yeah, yeah. So the, the reason why I chose to is because I wanted to go out there and build relationships, like solid relationships with people like yourself, for example, like I enjoy podcasting is a great way to meet people. It's a great way to build connections. Like I've actually traveled and like met up with other podcast hosts and, and, and people who I've met through podcasting. So it's definitely a genuine way to meet people. That's number one. And I'm in the business, of course, of meeting people. Um, and then also, you know, with, with COVID last year, a lot of people became podcasters, you know, in 2020, because <laughs> they were used to, you know, going to conferences and conventions across the country. And obviously all of that came to an end in 2020. So podcasting was a great way to keep that moving, to keep meeting people, to keep interacting. Um, there's, there, there's many different angles of podcasting. Like for example, it could be used for lead generation. So that way people can listen to the podcast and then reach out to you after it could be used for the actual relationships with the guests and the hosts. It could be used. I even use it, for example, for my current clients. Like if, if, I, if I have a client and they ask me, hey, how does this work? I'll just send them a link to, you know, one of the shows I've done. So it could be used as a reference guide, a reference Very material. Very true. Mm -hmm. and, and it's also like I lost count, but it's I started guest podcasting March 2020. And then fast forward now to June 2021. I've done probably about 130 shows. And every show I've done, I would 
do like a little bit more, you know, research on a concept or research on, on a thing. So it was constantly refining messages. So podcast, podcasting helped me a lot, a lot. And then as an entrepreneur too, like what, as a, as a self-employed, you know, entrepreneur and service-based professional, meaning that my work is only based off of services to clients. The most important thing is getting new clients, new leads, new clients. That's the most important thing. You know, I'm, I have to be more in the market. I mean, I guess it's, it's, a, it's a healthy balance between marketing and financial service. I need to be kind of competent in both of, both of those areas. And podcasting is fantastic for that. So for those listening who are in, you know, service-based, you know, whether you're a lawyer, you're an accountant, insurance agent, financial advisor, financial planner, you help people through your services and not necessarily through hard products, tangible products, but your services are more so your skills and your time. Um, I think podcasting is a fantastic way to meet people um, and to share your story, share your messages. And, this, and then after that, about a year after guest podcast, I started our show thinking like a bank because literally every person you know, I meet, they say, you need your own show. You need to stop just going on people's shows only. You need your own show. So I, I made my show, you know, thinking like a bank and, and I'm looking for guests, you know, for our show. We're about, we're launching episode 15 today. And Exciting. Um, yeah, thank you. And uh, we're doing a weekly episode launch every week. So if you want to be a guest, you know, reach out to me about that. Yeah, it is one of the best ways to learn to connect with people. And at the end of the day, like you said, it's not about hard products. It's about being able to communicate and connect with your clients and with people because this is people's lives. This is people's money and what they earn and what they work for every single day. And they need to know that there's a person there who wants to help them. Um, so the fact that you're out there and you're really making an effort to make your voice heard and your knowledge heard in order to help other people, that's really something to admire. And it's great. It really is. And Thank it's you. obviously working for you. You are helping people every day. What is your ultimate goal for your clients? And then on top of that, how does that lead into the goals you have for yourself? Yeah. So there, there are actually a lot of connecting goals. Like, so for example, my goal is to help clients build financial stability for their lives, not have to worry about the stock market for them to become their own source of financing without having to worry about banks, without having to worry about wall street, without having to worry about taxes. That's my goal for, for clients to help them reach their truly their goals to help them reach their goals. Uh, and then obviously those are positively correlated, meaning that the more that I'm helping clients reach their goals, the more that my goals are being reached as, a, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, obviously just from a common sense perspective that, you know, as I'm helping more clients, I'm gonna, probably going to get, you know, the assumption is more referrals and then that that's going to lead to more help, more cases being closed, you know, but it starts with the clients and, and, and it's, it's correlated starting with the clients. Um, results. So when the client's results improve, so do our companies. And then vice versa to that. If the client's results are not being met, you know, me as a business owner, my goals are not going to be met. So I have to make sure that I'm laser focused on the clients and having them reach their goals in order for us to reach our goals. It's like, for example, when you hire a lawyer, you know, I'm not a lawyer by any chance, you know, let's just say personal injury, you know, if the personal injury attorney is not able to help people win claims, from accidents I've been in or from getting hurt at work or whatever the case might be, then that law firm is not going to, most likely they won't make anything. They won't make any money because they're not solving problems for people. So people got injured. They now need to be properly compensated. Um, and if they can't reach those goals, they won't be able to reach their marketing and sales goals, you know, the, the law firm. And the same is true with us. You know, 
and you know, again, we're not a law firm, so I don't mean to make that comparison. I just may, I just mean to make the comparison of you know helping people identify or, or reach their goals first, and then from there we we are we are able to reach our goals. Absolutely. One final question for you: um, What do you value at the end of each day? Yeah, I value um, solving problems. I value. I actually I, I I enjoy solving problems. When I see a problem, I, I see an opportunity as well. Um, so mm. I, I value solving problems. I value helping people. I, I want to, you know, have people reach that the, the next, you know, checkpoint in their life or the next part, the, the next milestone. I, I enjoy that. Um, I value learning. I value reading. I read about two, maybe two or three books at the same time. Um, oh, every- wow. That's impressive. <laughs> yeah, it's it's impressive. But the reason why I do it is because I'll start reading a book, and then there will be another book that I can't wait. And typically, like I you know finish a book and then read the second book. But you know I want to just start reading the second book, so I'll I'll read like ten pages of each book every okay. day. And that's another uh, suggestion I have is you know do things like in inches and not in miles because mm-hmm. you get a lot more done. Uh, when you do things like in small like increments and the same is true with like financial stuff like being financially free is obviously not like it's not like you could just do it overnight you know it's it's about the interest it's about like you know doing things step by step like identifying your financial awareness your goals and then like revisiting it every week or every month inch by inch until you reach that mountain of goals yes i i was seeing something recently that it said you know, if you are consistent with working towards your goals and you're doing something every day, your line of progression is going to look more like a diagonal line and not just staying stagnant for a while than making a big leap. I feel like the slow progression over time, um, it shows consistency and it also shows commitment too. And I think Mm -hmm. you're learning more as you go and you just keep going and uh, eventually you'll get to that final goal and then get another one from there. It never ends. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Sari, um, thank you so much for your time today and for sharing your expertise with us. Again, like I said, this is not, you know, something that I'm completely familiar with, but it is something that I am so excited to learn more about because it can be so beneficial and so important. And financial stability is something that we all need to be working towards if we're not there already. And um, it's something that can bring happiness, honestly, truly. So Thank you for the work you do and for sharing it with us today. Thank you, Kylie, so much for having me on. And, and I'll be more than happy. I can send a, a free copy of the book, The Bank on Yourself Revolution, to listeners if they want to reach out to us. Um, they can go to our website, finassetprotection.com, and I can send them a free copy of the book, The Bank on Yourself Revolution book, through that, through that link. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll, I'll be interested in doing that too. So is that the best place for people to find you? Is your website yeah. right there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, finassetprotection.com. Perfect. All right. Well, go check them out. And um, thank you, Sari. Have a good rest of your day. You too, Kylie. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate thank it. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Bye. Bye.